0: young people are turning their back on marriage at a cyclic rate in particular men do they have a point i keep being told that jesus is some kind of liberal or that the modern christians don't view jesus the same way as he's portrayed actually in the bible we're going to go ahead and discuss that and brian breaks down matthew 28 and what it has to do with the divine council worldview so keep it right here because that's what's coming up on mount hermeneutics (laughs) You're listening to mount hermeneutics where three marines give their perspective on god faith and spirituality with a heavy lean on the divine council worldview. this is not your grandma's sunday school nor is it always for the christian faint of heart nothing about who we are or what we say make us experts but you better believe we'll have a take and perhaps it won't suck i'm here for diversity purposes maybe <laughs>
1: Drees <laughs> our diversity higher. We and had that's to check non, that box.
0: Non-Trinitarian, not because I'm a Negro. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> shut your filthy holes. It in was like world. soft R slavery but versus
1: hard R slavery. They didn't.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Fellas, <laughs> what's what's happening? Uh I'm Andre Bibbs and uh you can uh reach me the uh, of my namesake in uh Facebook and Instagram. Uh my DMs are open there. Hit me up. And I'm joined by my two lifelong friends, Matthew. What's up?
1: Hey, hey what's going on, everybody? Uh, let's see which is the best social to reach me at. Probably my Facebook. So it's Matt Moore and on, on Facebook. I'll I'll throw a link to that. That'll be down the in the belows. I'll probably start trying to develop my my X handle a little bit more. That might be an easier way for us to to communicate. So maybe that'll be an easy way to to break this into the show because it's it's a little more wide open. But uh, yeah. Hey, Brian, what's, what's new with you,
2: man? Hey guys. Uh, yeah, I'm Brian. Thanks for, I, I almost said tuning in, but that's a TV phrase or a radio phrase and they're not doing that They're but, uh... but we're old. Sure. So, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm not, but, uh, you know, I didn't know we were doing the social, the interpersonal social thing, but, uh, I like my privacy. I'm just I mean, Brian. Then I, uh, then don't. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I if,
1: if if Brian's not gonna get Brian, if you don't want to give out your socials, your direct socials, I mean, people can reach you through the show, right? Like they can comment on our absolute direct channels to the 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 Facebook channel or the or the group or the the YouTube channel directly and we can or can, my blog
2: thethirdhelix.com. There you there you go. There's so there, so there Which has up. my personal address. So uh kind of defeats the purpose, but that's okay. That's all right. Um, all right. Yeah. How are you guys doing?
1: Man, My, uh, we're doing okay now. Kind of a weird, we're a little nervous about being sick. Both of my kids, well, so my daughter was, uh, she had COVID last week and then uh, we thought my son had had it also. And then he was feeling sick again on Friday and he just tested positive. So we're a little stressed because we've got to travel to Orlando for the finals for that uh, Miss Veteran uh, America pe- competition that carries uh, competing in so that's she'll be competing uh, Saturday Sunday of uh, of next weekend so uh, we'll have to adjust our our recording but that that's just for the rest for the three of us it won't affect the, the listeners but uh, yeah so we're just crossing our fingers that she doesn't come up you know sick right before we had a board a flight.
2: I was <laughs> over at your house on Wednesday and uh, you were I didn't catch anything. that's good i'm glad i have a really i'm way less healthy than all of you so i definitely would have caught something
1: well
2: well, well, i'm I'm glad
1: you haven't yet i hope i hope you don't (laughs) thanks yeah
0: all right so uh we'll give you all the socials at the end of the show uh where where you can reach us uh through the through the show notes and uh, remember to share the show with your friends. Hit like, subscribe, all that jazz. And uh, here we go. So our, our first topic is 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 marriage, and what we've noticed probably over the last few years, especially if you're into the uh, you know the podcast space with you know the the conservatives that, that talk about marriage a lot, we we see that we we already we kind of already get into. Uh, people that are left leaning lately on TikTok and uh, things of that nature that they go ahead and and kind of poo poo marriage. Um, lots of divorces, lots of uh, trends where people stay single or or they or they get married but they don't have they don't have kids. But kind of a new thing that's happening right now is that they, in the conservative space, a lot of red pilled young people that are in the podcast slash influencer space are also talking about not being married. So um, I think uh, last week, Pearl Davis, to, to just throw out a name, she she has her little, you know, with just pearly things. And she put some stats out about marriage and, um, and the Daily Wire whole crew went in on her, which probably boosts her a little bit because here, I mean, the way she put it is, hey, I've been watching these guys since I was in high school and now they're actually attacking me on Twitter. So that's great. I can actually debate the people that I've been listening to debate for so long. Um, she's not the what, only one. What, what did she say?
1: Did she say something specifically or was yeah, she, it...
0: her, her specific thing is that men, men shouldn't get married because it's not a good deal. It's not a good oh. deal for men. Uh, the system is set up against men, the system uh, with divorce and money. And um, basically where the system is, is incentivizing women to get divorced so because not of, a,
1: because of like child care laws and, and alimony and yes all, all, those kind of all things. that so so, why? so so i didn't see the video was she saying they shouldn't or she just says i don't know why they do or was it kind of both
0: kind of both okay well or she was she was saying i do know why they do and it's the system and we need to change those judicial laws i, I think uh at the her feeling about it is that the system is rigged, and these conservatives, these tradcons, these traditional conservatives that are into marriage, with the amount of influence that they have, that they should work harder to change these judicial things instead of just, as she would say, push marriage on on young people.
1: So she's saying that. I mean, I'm just trying to re. re- so she's saying, hey, the right. Is kind of the supposedly the the champion of marriage, yes. and yet and yet the 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 system is designed in such a way that greatly favors the woman. And if they if they the tradcons as you put it want to see marriage continue, then it's up to the right to basically overhaul or adjust the legal system such that it has more of a balanced um, impact. To both sides of the equation is that kind of is that kind of i think that's what she's saying yeah yeah i i recognize it's not what you're saying you're just you're just reporting it yeah
0: yeah and uh i mean you know and then she you know she goes on and like hey perhaps uh matt walsh ben shapiro and michael knowles don't know what they're talking about one because they actually haven't hit the age where most men get divorced and they're they're all not divorced right right and, yeah. and two, divorce is a lot easier on rich people. So pay to play. So here, here they attacking her saying, well, you're not even married. You're in your early 20s or mid 20s, whatever, however, however old she is. And you're telling us about marriage when you're not married. But but really it's just her talking about, this is what I'm what I'm seeing when I talk to the men who come out on the other side. Another big quote she talks about is um, his suicide rates. So the average man who's you know a factory worker or a blue collar guy who, who kind of sets up his entire pension, his whole life based on his family and taking care of them, gets divorced, loses half his stuff, never gets to see his kids. And the suicide rate for that guy is a lot higher uh, than it is for everyone else who commits suicide. It means that we have this suicide and anxiety problem that we have then why are we pushing these men to get married when as i mean as pearl would say i mean she doesn't even think women should vote right so so (laughs) so she's like women are trash uh men shouldn't have to get into some kind of commercial contract because if you were in a deal that would say hey you're gonna 75 percent be either miserable or You're either be financially
1: ruined depressed or kill yourself. Yeah. Why like, why, why would you why, why would you, you enter roll those dice? Yeah. I mean hmm. she makes a she makes a pretty uh, strong argument at, at the at least at the first at the first pass, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like and once once I got past the um the shock factor, well not necessarily that just even because I first heard it on the on the tradcon side, right? There okay. There. Like, hey, Pearl Davis said these things. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I read the Twitter, and I'm like seeing the attacks, and then and then I I watched probably 30 minutes of of her video. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I'm like, Yeah, maybe maybe one of you should get her on the show, Candace. <laughs> right. So and, and she even she even uh, cited Steven Crowder, who despite no charges, no, no kind of filing. Uh, his divorce went public and people saw him as an abuser due to a video that was released from his ring. Um, Even though the Daily Wire never covered that or covered the divorce, Candace Owens in particular did mention it because they had a little, a little beef and, you know, things were mentioned and and then she mentioned Crowder and and his divorce, Hmm. which, which is, I mean, did he abuse her? I don't know. Right. But right there seems to be a trend that if there's some kind of reporting like the, like
1: the Russell brand thing going on right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like the Russell brand thing.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Should I mean, we it's, get married? it's,
1: it's, it's tough, right? Because I mean, there's the, the you know, there's the obvious reasons for it. Right. The, I mean, I mean, I'll say this. I'll say it, and we can talk about it. But the purpose for marriage is to have a family, right? It's to have children. It's to reproduce. It's to it's to continue the human race. Um, we, it's both, um, you know, physiological or you know, uh, science, right? Like the requirement to to procreate, but it's also biblical in a sense of uh you know it kind of ties into you know god's orders of of adam and his and his children to you know go or moses after the flood i forget which when, when it was and i'm sure right noah okay thanks yeah i said moses in the flood didn't i Noah in the flood but it was, he to, was you after know, the flood though. he was and he was after Mo- he was after noah yeah um but it, you know it's to go out and populate and, and re and reproduce that's what uh, i'm here for so like I mean, that's kind of an obvious, um, but then there's also a lot of stats. Like, and I think I've actually heard Pearl mention these stats. Like single parents, right? There's some st- the statistic is, and, I, and I'm going to butcher it, and we don't have a Jamie to to pull it up in real time for us, but it was like single mothers and the likelihood of their boys en- ending up in prison, and it was really high. It was north of fifty percent, right? Like I want to say it was like sixty something percent. Yeah, it's a
0: it's a it's a stat that that uh, is is put out there by all kinds of people from all kinds of angles right
1: and then you know if the if they have both if the father is involved it doesn't have to be married but he has to be an involved parent then that number drops drastically Um, but then oddly and at this point of that stat's not relevant to this conversation but if single fathers the statistic is the same as if They were married and together, right?
2: Um, So the the figure I'm finding, I'm I'm your Jamie right now, since I'm not contributing much so far. But uh, seventy to eighty percent is the is the claim going around. But most of the head, I googled it, which is probably a mistake. A lot of the headlines are "dad refutes claim, kids raised by single mothers end up," etc., etc., etc. But uh, anyway, those. uh, But it was a really high number. Like like it was
1: it was shockingly high, right? And then that number drops down. No precipitously down if the father's involved. And the point of that, when I, when I was hearing those studies was, and the way it was being presented was it's all about, you know, the, the need for masculine um, involvement and for children to be raised in that kind of an environment. But really what it comes down to is it's, you know, that nuclear family and that, you know, it's pretty hard to argue that kids stand a better chance of having a good childhood if they have both parents involved. Like it's like, I'm not getting into, you know, whether it should be just the dad, just the mom or, you know, two moms, two dads. The point is it takes more than one person. Um, and I I actually just watched some other, um, I was watching some, I forget the woman's name. I need to I need to hit the button so I can remember her name, but she's been popping up in my feeds a lot and she's given like Ted talks. She's sitting in a chair and, uh, um, She basically explains the same thing that, you know, women weren't designed to raise children by themselves. Like if you go back to, you know, paleolithic times, hunter gatherers and whatnot, like one person can't raise a kid. It takes someone's off doing something. Somebody's going to be watching the kids and taking care of them. So, <clears throat> you know, without making this a, you know, a biblical thing, I don't think it's really hard to argue the, the, um, the sociological requirements of having parents raise kids and that's the point of a marriage like otherwise what's the point because for two people to cohabitate you don't need laws you don't need protections you don't need legal structures you don't need anything you just need people hanging out like you don't need laws for you to have a roommate right and just to share the rent and share the electric bill and take turns buying groceries it's it's about it's about children and it's about you know generational continuance I, I mean I don't know I don't know I don't know what else to say about that but it, it, to me it seems like wildly self-evident.
0: I, oh. I go ahead Brian sorry,
2: please. Go ahead, no please go ahead. Well I I've kind of I was thinking about this this it, it was on a complete it, it wasn't even related to the pearl stuff or the the daily wires response to her but I was thinking about fruit. Like fruit tastes good. Um it's also very nutritious for you. But it it has its taste as an incentive to get for us to eat it and get the we've cultivated over the centuries to make it taste good so that we enjoy eating it and then we get the nutrition. But in the past hundred years, we have uh, you know with with candy we we kind of strip the the strip the pleasant out from everything good and we concentrate synthesize
1: it it somewhere synthesize it
2: and we 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 ramp it up so that it it overloads our pleasure system and we kind of divorce that from from the nutrition and we've kind of done that with everything we've kind of we've, we've created this this artificial version of fruit in the form of candy and we kind of do that with uh you know all of our food, but also all of our that's pursuits a, in life. That's a solid analogy, dude. I like that. Um, and we've done the same thing with sex. We have, we've kind of, we treat it the same way. So that you know, the our as a culture post sexual revolution, we don't even think of it in those terms. We, we, we think of we think of sex as a private personal matter, and it's really not. Um the act itself, of course is it's it's private personal, and intimate, but the social ramifications are not um and that's why marriage has existed historically. Every single social problem that we have directly or indirectly can be traced back to our our distorted views on sex and divorcing it, no pun intended for marriage um. Just like you were saying, uh, crime rates go up with with uh, high out of wedlock birth rates, poverty, uh, strains on social systems, drug addiction, um, taxation to cover those to to meet the demands of those strained social systems. To get to uh, you know they have to they have to feed kid brec- kids breakfast now at school to to make up for the lack of it at home. Um, we're, we're kind of looking to government more and more to fill the gap that the, not just with, uh, the sustenance of the child, but with teaching them values. Um, all of this is because of, uh, our, our views of sex are completely distorted, uh, post-sexual revolution. So, So,
1: so I don't disagree with you, um, Broadly with what you just said, but is it really that simple to say it's because of the sexual revolution? I mean, I remember on this show, a few episodes back, you were talking about Asherah poles and big phalluses all over the Middle East. I mean, it's, I'm only pointing that out to say that there's been some type of sexual revolution that's been ongoing right it's not like we can go back to the 60s and go aha
2: it was right there well that's,
1: that's when mankind fell over like the romans right yeah i wouldn't say and it's,
2: like, i wouldn't reduce it to that but this the sexual revolution itself was greatly helped along by the advent of the of the automobile
1: um and also or, or we could go back to what pearl said it's because we gave the because of the 19th amendment i mean i joking but not i mean the idea of of the the equal rights movement you know the bra burning women wanting to go to work all so, of those d- kinds of things right like those, those are all hand you, in glove
0: interesting you bring that up because when you when you look at like the top reasons why young men don't even want to get married one of the top ones is uh, women's independence and gender equality so Basically, men are saying, "Hey, they don't really need me. She's doing her thing over there. Why do we need to get married?" And I, I think that that ties into hookup culture because the number one reason that that popped up on this one survey that I looked was, "I don't need paperwork to affirm that I'm in a relationship." Mm. Right. So,
1: but is that that feels like a cop out, right? That it, that answer, in right? My, there. In my mind,
0: it does because because I I don't I don't think that it's necessarily the system of divorce that is that is the problem with marriage. I think that it's before that I think it's getting married and people not understanding or or wanting to realize what is actually at stake. I think that we have trouble committing to everything we don't we don't commit to. Uh, we I think we live in a in a disposable world, right we we use paper plates. we use a microwave. we have a dis a disposable food everything if I don't like something, even our cars, even though they're thirty thousand dollars, they're really disposable after two hundred thousand miles, right even that, before was, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's if you're a mechanic and you're good right. Right. right so um we live in this disposable society where we confuse. I don't know. Um uh I think I I think you're what you're if
2: I understand what you're saying, we bring the wrong set of expectations into marriage when we do get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and and we... and it
1: seems to be generationally getting worse. Yeah. Because I know, like, you know, if I if we think back, so for those that are just listening, can't see how old we are, we're all in our mid mid to late 40s, right? So we're we're square in gen X. And if you think about, you know, the boomer generation, you know, they were taught, you know, nothing's disposable, right? Because their parents were all from the great depression era. And so just their, their, the way they thought about things was different and they had expectations that marriage was going to be hard. Like I've heard, I've, I've seen and read a lot of the, the documentation and, you know, talked to some a handful of people from, you know, generation above me, us, that you know they didn't go into marriage expecting to be perfect and there was a lot of expectation that they were going to struggle and they were going to fight and they were going to bicker and then it was going to be work um and i definitely see in the younger generation now with my kids at least specifically and dre i'm sure you see some of the same that they get into these relationships and they're just like what do you mean this isn't perfect and easy like i'm out right they're just tapping out left right and center it's kind of like i kind of blame seinfeld right? You guys, you remember the old Seinfeld, like he broke up with the chick for any reason, right? Her hand, she had man hands or she was a low was talker, say, right? or, you know, the bad lighting girl or are they real or not? Like all of those different reasons, right. That he would break up with somebody. Um, and I feel like that is really heavy in our, in our, and it's almost like it drives or gives them the out or the excuse for the out. Right. Like, they're, well,
2: like I was saying, the advent of the automobile is a big part of that. Um, it encourages people to spread out. It makes the world a larger place for us. And so we feel like we have infinite options. So, I mean, if you don't, if you're if not you're, confined
1: to your neighborhood or your township kind of thing, you can right.
2: You know, and so much so that we don't even, you know, we don't even know our neighbors anymore. Um, Harry Ford's catching strays for no reason
0: tonight. So, so is it uh <laughs> is it uh paralysis by analysis? You know, just like, if if there, if I, you know, if I have one, if I'm gonna like go down to this corner store, there's two options for bread, right? I need some bread from a pantry, I'm gonna get those two options. But if I go to Costco, I'm like, uh, There's an entire uh, aisle of bread. I don't get. So yeah, I think right.
2: But but there's also a thing that happens, like we're we're also we're so saturated with movies and television and stories, and uh, you know, everybody is always beautiful um men and women and we we kind of we kind of we identify with the protagonist we we see ourselves in those shoes and it, it, for the same reason like every guy thinks he can fight because like every every protagonist in a tv show or an action show can fight and that's why he's the hero and we we kind of psychologically identify with that we always think we can get the most beautiful girl there we always think that we, we always kind of i think we kind of inflate our sexual mark our our value in the sexual marketplace and so people just kind of uh
0: you know they they come into it with with unrealistic expectations well I, and i think that has to do with with the hookup culture at large i mean people are dating but they're not dating with intention mm-hmm. there, there's no i mean they're quick to say hey i don't want to get in a relationship i don't want to be in this and then and then they have a they have a cop out each each time or mm-hmm. there's two people that are dating aren't on the same page when it comes to that and i think yeah. that if you're if you're out there only to hook up then marriage is not gonna be front on your mind because you've got more to do. I think that young men today too, also have this delay of the dream, right? I'm in my twenties, I have these things that I want to accomplish. And if I am to fill this whatever gender role that I'm gonna have as as the masculine in the marriage, I need to have this much money, I need to have this, this type of house, I need to have this kind of worth, before i'm i'm ready to get into that pool and add this onto my life and i and i think that that is a mistake that that we're that we're going down where we need to set ourselves in a place before we get married and i think yeah. what that leads to is that the marriage becomes the capstone of your life instead of the foundation of your life
1: that's a great i think that's a great way to put it I think- so,
0: I mean, if you didn't need her before, you don't need her now. And you know, of course I can, you know, talk about my own marriage where I've, you know, I've been with this lady for 29 years, right? And a lot of people they they talk about, you know, money and I made this money and when I don't want to give half of it to you. Well, I had no money when I met her, right? And and she used her young youth to follow me around because I was a US Marine. So she lost lots of opportunities to become whatever that is. And she was fine with that because we had an established set of values that we discussed beforehand. Yeah. Um, Even to the fact, even, even to the point that when we had children, she did work, but then, I mean, that was, that's how we saw each other. That was our date. We had one car. I would drive her to work and Matt knows how far red lobster is from NSA. Right. So we would make that drive. That'd be kind of our, our, our time together. Then I'd pick her up and then we'd go to bed and I have to get up and for my, for my next shift. Um, it was kind of cool because, you know, beings in the job that I had, I couldn't really talk about work. I could talk about individuals. I could talk about personalities. I could talk about, but I couldn't talk about what I did, but so it was kind of fun to just kind of have something that we related to. I, I think that we have a lot of issues with, uh, thinking that interests and values are the same thing right mm-hmm. so yeah. mm-hmm. like a lot of times like oh yeah i met this guy he's into fitness he likes to hike he loves country music just like me and we're gonna live together because he always wanted to travel to paris right like those those were, but what does he what does he think about trust and respect and affection right. and Care, and and, and guidance, and, and reverence—you know these yeah. are these are all the things—and maybe you really do have all those same values, but they're racked and stacked in different spots. So your arguments are going to have different weight when when you when you have them. I I'll just say again what what has worked for us. I'm like we've over the years have created mutual interests, and to this day, a lot of things that that we had interest in when we met are still, are still not aligned. Right. Like I know that she has no interest in watching the Lakers play on Tuesday night. Right. Just like I have no interest in walking into my personal hell called, you know, home goods or hobby lobby. (laughs) But if I scored tickets and I said, Hey, would you attend the Laker game with me? She would make it a night and make it about me and come to see it. And if we're, on vacation at some beach somewhere, and she wants to walk into every single gift shop that's on the strip. I'm walking in there, out of respect for her. I might complain, but just a little. I, I only <laughs>
1: th- I only throw a fit when we have to go back to the stores we've already been in. When she's like, I want to go back to that one. I'm like, No, 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 no. We already went in that store <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> that way. Not not back the
0: way we came. So, but but there's things that you know we develop. We have different movie tastes, but we also have the same movie taste together we have yeah. we don't we have different food tastes but when we go out together we we've created yeah. this thing in this bond
1: and and i think that's you know so Carrie and i have been together 25 years almost 26 so we're right behind you and i think that part of what you said is what's important i think a lot of that's what's lost on on younger people is it's embracing the differences and then finding common ground, right? You don't have to like all the same stuff. Like I, I know Carrie and I've had this conversation where she's always like, I want to find something for us to do together. Cause you know, she's like, you do those things and I do these things. And I feel like we're, you know, strangers in the night, you know, ships passing in the night, whatever. Um, but then there's been a couple of things that she's into and I'm like, hey, I want to come with you. And she's like, no, you weren't invited. That's, like this is my that's, thing, that's right. right? That's right. But but similarly, right? Like, uh, by the way, share the same, You know, the the same lack of uh, enthusiasm about home goods or Hobby Lobby. But I can tell you, like Christmas last year, Carrie wanted something. They only had it at Hobby Lobby. And I went and I got it for her, right? And what was hilarious was it wasn't an expensive thing. It was like $100 or something, right? But when when she opened it, she goes, how did you get this? Because she knew where it came from. And I looked at it, I was like, what do you mean? She goes, you went to Hobby Lobby and got this for me? And it was like, she almost teared up because she knew I went and did it to a place that I hated with the total fiber of my being, right? Um, but that's part of the communication. Um, and I personally think, we turned this into a marriage counseling episode, but I think the most important thing in a relationship to make it work is actual communication. And sometimes oh, no, that, that communication is not pleasant. Sometimes that communication hurts you know, but I'm of the opinion that I would rather slightly hurt someone's feelings now than let something linger and fester and become a point of resentment and something that can actually block the relationship longer term. And I could cite a couple of events in our, and mine and Carrie's past, and she, she'll probably come in here and She's probably listening. She's like, I'll tell you what he said. He said this and he said that. <laughs> but but the point was is getting it out in the open so that it can be addressed rather than, you know, you, you joked earlier, Dre, about your dad not liking the the spaghetti, right? Like that's a that's a very benign version of it, right? But that's an example of it, right? Where right. that generation wasn't taught to communicate. They weren't taught to be open about their feelings and things they liked and didn't like. They were taught to suck it up, deal with it, do the best you can and move on. And, and I think that's where, you know, I've been asked uh, at church at you know, some other areas because Carrie and I happen to be like the oldest couple, right? Not the oldest people, but the oldest couple that have been together the longest. Like, you know, what's the, what's the secret? And they're waiting for some like super, you know, Yoda like response. And I'm like, just
0: communicate. Listen to the woman. But it's not, but it's not just that, right? Like, and her listen to you, but it's,
1: it's, yeah, I I know, I know what you were getting at. But it's, but that's the kind of those, those, those trope, you know, happy wife, happy life kind of things is is bullshit, because that's where you get into, well, the guy's like, whatever, as long as she's happy, I don't care. Like, that's how my grandfather was, right? Like, as long as mom is happy, you know, and he just (laughs) Went through life that way. Carrie's dad was that way. He was almost the same age. He's a little bit older than her mom. But like he was real similar in that regard, right? It was like all the things he did was literally just to make her happy. Um, and I don't know what the guy liked to this day. Like he he, he. um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's a big I think that's a huge part of it is the ability to 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 find common ground that's relevant and not force it right? Because if, if you force it, like, I have to do everything that she does. Well, then you're going to be miserable. She's going to be able to read it on your face and vice versa. Like, if you drug Delaunay to every Lakers game, uh, right, yeah. at some point, <laughs> she's like, bruh, I'm not going. Like, I'm yeah. done.
0: I mean, some some interests are, are deal breakers, right? Like, if, if I would have met her and she told me she was a San Francisco Giants fan, <laughs> then i say, you know, we can't be married because clearly you don't know how to make good decisions. And and I can't have you mothering my kids and and even uh. and even bringing that into existence. <laughs> but but seriously, when you talk about the communication, I think a lot of people will will cite trust as the value, right? But trust doesn't just mean you, they're going to believe you're doing this or that. It, it also means that you trust your partner that if you say something hard, they're not just going to walk out on you. They're mm-hmm. they, they, they're actually going to listen to you. And you're going to find yeah. a way to to fix that. Yeah. And I and I think that we don't have enough respect for each other. To trust each other, so in order to trust, you got to have some respect, and you got to have a little gratitude for that for that person. And 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 look, to be to be personal, um, we had a very stre- a long stretch in our marriage where we were not together, right? Because of, I mean, I think that we would say the same things. I think that um, I think the nuances would be different. But I think the things that brought us back together was the actual foundation of our life. Yeah, and I think that's and true. and though that we we weren't together due to some immaturity, due to some selfishness, mostly on my part, that caused her to act another way, which just made it compound. Um, the fact that we could come back to the foundation that we laid when we were in our early twenties, and still find that friendship. And then rebuild that as we respected each other, uh, co-parenting the whole way, um, because it wasn't about the kids; it was about us to come back. Right. And I, I think that if you don't, if you, if you didn't, if I didn't have those same set of values from the beginning, then our marriage would have been completely doomed, and you know each of us would be living a, a different life that I don't even want to try to imagine right now.
2: And,
1: yeah, that's that, that makes that makes perfect sense.
2: And you guys beat the odds because uh, the Marine Corps is not <laughs> it's not kind of marriage.
1: Um, well, it's you know, it's funny you, you say that because that's actually why I got out of the Marine Corps was mm-hmm. because I didn't see a way that my marriage was gonna stay intact. Um, and I didn't, you know, obviously, Jerry and Delaney hadn't gone through the problems they were going through yet. But I was kind of seeing that just generally speaking, right, like just the challenges of the life of the Marine Corps, especially as a young Marine. Um, yeah. And for those that don't know, Carrie was in the Navy when we met. So we had a different set of challenges where we were going to have to like jump through hoops for co-location to be able to get orders to match up and that was going to be a struggle because the Marine Corps could care less about your other services uh significant other um so we, we you know I kind of read those tea leads and I was like mm, uh, you know I, I was a risk manager before I was a formally trained risk manager and I was like I don't I don't I don't like these odds I'm gonna punch <laughs> out and you know and I I know without a shadow of a doubt I made the right decision um I missed everything about the Marine Corps uh I, the, the career in the Marine Corps would have been the easy part for me. Keeping my family intact would have been really hard. Um, so I, I definitely, you know, yeah, for, for Dre and Delani to have had those challenges, it's not surprising, um, but making it through, it's definitely, you know, a, a testament. Cause I know for all of us in that, you know, they got married in that first enlistment that the odds have got to be staggeringly against us. Um, just because we're, I like, think it is it,
0: at it, that seventy-five percent. It, it's more, if, if not, if not right. higher, right? Like we're right.
1: probably the only two from our from our contemporaries. If we went back and did the math, like who else got married in their first enlistment that is still together?
0: I think uh, Botan and Trungali. I think they're the only ones that come. Did to they mind. make it? Yeah, here, here I am busting out names. Uh, shout out Chris. maybe maybe mike Amy.
1: weathers mike, was mike weathers married in his first enlistment or i was don't his know. second i think no, because might, we didn't he meet might him until been. his second right right, so, right. Yeah. well second tour but not a second enlistment okay so i mean so maybe that's maybe the only other one of all of the marines that we knew and other service members even john right? tiffany he wasn't he married his... he lived in the barracks
0: oh well he i mean he's been well, unless, married he, unless, now. unless yeah. he was a geo bat back I, then i think he was was he hey, comment John. Listen yeah. to my damn show. Yeah, what's up, Tiff? <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know where,
2: don't know, the, don't know where uh, we
1: landed on that. Oh, go ahead, Brian.
2: I was just gonna as the middle-aged bachelor of the group, I don't have any uh marriage <laughs> tips, but I can I can go on and on about why relationships fail from <laughs> personal experience, but uh
1: that's probably not helpful, you, yeah. You know... <laughs> Well, With
0: seven it, combat deployments it, and how how Mama handled home, uh, I'd like to say that I was lucky, but I don't I don't think I was. I think I think it was something that we created. I yeah. think that I chose right, and uh, also I think I think Pearl and the and the Red Pill guys are like, hey, one of her poll questions was, hey, if you're married and your wife gains fifty pounds, is that a W? or an L for who for, for the husband, for the man, this is either man, oh, man. Oh, oh. If your wife gained 50 pounds, is that, a, is that a W? Is that a win? And, well, it depends and,
1: if she has anorexic or not before
0: she gained right. 50 a pounds. A lot of, and a lot of them said, no, like there's expectations, but again, that's something right. you have to lay out in the beginning. Well, so, and,
1: so I'll, so I'll, I'll go ahead and share that since you brought it up. So that was actually one of the early uh, conversations that Carrie and I had that she didn't appreciate. So I'll paint the picture. We're sitting at a family dinner. And by family, an extended family dinner. There's about 15 people at a table in a Cheddar's somewhere in Texas. I don't remember where in Texas, either Dallas or Houston. And Carrie and I had only been married for a couple of years. And I don't know what prompted it. I don't remember. But she hits me with the, if I got fat, would you still love me? Yeah. And the whole table got quiet and looked at me. And I and my first answer was, define fat. <laughs>
0: Not to find love.
1: <laughs> and 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 the gist, and now I was super young at the time, right? So my ability to use my words wasn't very good. But the point that I was trying to make was, well, first of all, I'll always love you because you're, you know, at the time mother of my my daughter, not my kids. I said, I'll always love you. And I said, But I think you're asking me a different question. And she goes, Yeah, would you find me attractive? And that was when I said qualify how fat we're talking about. And I remember the, my phrase, I said, are we talking about just a little, a little heavy? Or are we talking about medically disgusting was the, uh, the language that I used. And she's like, what's the difference? And I said, here's the thing And I'm going to be really honest. I said, it would bother me if you let yourself go that badly, because it would make me question what was going on in your head. And, you know, are you mentally like did something go wrong or are you physically having something wrong with you? Like, there's a whole lot of side issues there. I said, but at the end of the day, I was like, I'm not really into really big girls. And she got all upset. And I understand why. And I understand how insensitive and cold it sounds. And for all the listeners, I was like 22 years old. Um, so if you're, if you're hating me for having said that as a 22-year-old, I'm sorry. But here's the point that I was trying to make with her. I said, look, would you rather me just tell you, yeah, honey, get as fat as you want, and then watch you eat yourself into you know, morbid obesity, or would you want to know that it does matter to me at some level and you know, there's an expectation that we take care of ourselves together? Because, you know, if if I had lied to her, then, you know, 10, 20 years from now, she's, you know, I don't know what's a med- what qualifies as medically disgusting, uh, 300, 400 pounds for a woman, you know, a little large. Um, and I wouldn't feel the same about her that I do now. And then our relationship would suffer. And then I'm a liar because I told her it was okay. I I mean... You know, this isn't going to be received well by the, uh, the high calorie Americans that are listening to the show. But like there's that's just a reality for me. And I felt it necessary to be honest with my wife. And I was. And, you know, she's brought it up to me, as you can imagine, an innumerable number of times in the past 25, 26 years. Right. But it was just an example of me being honest with her and you know somebody's in the comments probably going to tell me that I'm the reason that people have eating disorders and that might be true and I'll own that but re- what was important to me was being was being honest with my wife and 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 not lying to her and I knew what the answer was and I wasn't going to lie to myself so I could lie to her with good faith or with a clear conscience so. as
2: the middle-aged bachelor of the group maybe this doesn't mean much but i, I what if uh what if you'd ask her the same question i mean we we always kind of vilify the man for wanting his wife to stay you know young and hot um and by the way she is still young and hot for those that don't know my wife so like my 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 evil plan worked <laughs> um but i mean you know women want attractive men too it's not it, it's not like we we have a monopoly on that um on wanting physical attractiveness i think we value it a bit more than women do um for sure but i mean i think that's what a marriage is you are you're not just committing to uh staying with the person no matter how bad it gets you're you're committing to making sure it's as best as it can be for the other person and counting on them to do the same thing and part of that is taking care of yourself understanding that the other person that the person you married is not a is not an angel is not a is, is you can't expect them to be happy about it if you let yourself go um, no, and
1: i and i think that was what the 22 year old me was trying to say right like it was right, right. it was a little bit more sophisticated of an answer than you know don't be medically disgusting but like like you know that, that's what came <laughs> out
0: i would have just been like ew no but you know, we, we really do need to, I think we're just creatures that, that live for others and, and, and like are here to serve. And I think that a lot of people that get divorced, a lot of their, a lot of their sightings are uh, he didn't make me happy. Mm -hmm. She didn't make me happy. Um, I, I want this thing. They're not it without even trying to find some common ground. It's like, well, You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not in love. So goodbye. Yeah. We
1: felt we fell out of love. We're different people rather than have those uncomfortable conversations to try to get back
0: to it's Just because I, you know, I got married poor and, uh, and I don't think Delani's going to slap me for saying this, but she was not in shape when we got married. So she, she actually, over the course of our marriage lost a hundred pounds. So she went from, uh, a, a, a plus size lady to a Zumba instructor, a spin cycle yoga. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't think that I was the reason that she, that she wanted to be fit. I think that I factored in, but I, I think it was a, a moment when our toddler, our youngest child ran down the street and she couldn't catch her. So you start, you know, mom instincts start kicking in. I, I'm not going to be on the planet longer if I'm not healthy. I'm not going to be the best parent because I, I can't, uh, you know, physically do some things and. I'm also not a very good example, right? So how am I supposed to tell my kids to eat their vegetables if I'm not doing it? Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm not at least eating healthier. I mean, my kids are gonna be more on the macros than it is the vegetables, but you know, it's it, it is what it is. Um I think we we also have to we have to be that example. And also who what are you what are you showing your kids when when you're not committing? To their mother, to their father, mm-hmm. but they don't have to commit. And why should they even listen to you? Right. So here they are, they have to commit as a child, as and you have to commit as a parent. Why why should they when you can't even commit on a vow that you made years ago with the person right. that you're supposed to be creating this life with? I think that we just don't don't recognize the stakes that yeah. that we're I, in. I agree. And and that's why they all fail. But if you if you see the stakes, envision the stakes, and then commit to them, I I think that the marriage will have a much, much higher success rate. And that's not to say that if you check all the boxes, that it's still not a risk, because the other person has a say too, right? It's like it's like when you're playing football and your plays are all drawn out, like, okay, that this this should work if I execute it properly. Well, the other team has a say. Mm-hmm. They're playing defense on the other side. So, but if, but if everything's in harmony.
1: Well, that's why I remember as a kid, my my parents divorced and we were, Uh we were really involved in the church. And I remember there's somebody saying, I don't remember where I heard it from because I was young. I was seven or eight. I remember somebody saying, if two people are Christians and they're married, there's no reason that they should ever get divorced. No reason. And I, and I remember hearing that as a kid. Yeah. I mean, that that was very, it's very, I don't know if it was Southern Baptist Church at the time. I was too young to know denominations, but it was very, you know, much, you should just pray on it, make it happen, make it work out, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember even as a kid thinking, hmm, that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I remember thinking that as a kid, but, and then my parents got divorced which as you can imagine, then put some weird thoughts in my head as a young kid, right? I'm like, well, wait a second. Some pastor said that if two people are Christians and there's no reason to get divorced and my parents just got divorced. So which one of them aren't Christians? You know, I remember that happening and that kind of being in the back of my mind also. So, you know, I, you're right. It does take both sides. Both sides have to try. Both sides have to work. Um, and admittedly, this is one of the things, Dre, that you and I have talked about that I think, uh, the Jehovah's witnesses are, are super cool with with their whole you know marriage being the centerpiece and not doing christmas but you know celebrating the anniversary of the parents and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff i think that's an amazing um i think it's a really good kind of centering behavior uh rather than focusing on some fictitious fat dude i mean he's not fictitious he actually existed but he's not still alive um um you know, this, this mythical dude that drops presents off, you're, you're getting presents because you're all committed to your parents' marriage and the marriage is healthy and strong. And that's why we're all here today that you kids all exist because of our marriage. So have a day, treat yourself. And and honestly,
0: as a, as a child, that's one of the, the things that, that helps my brother and I cope, you know, uh, by missing out on, on, you know, missing out on holidays. Right. So here I am down the street, he's, everyone's got presents on, on, you know, December 25th, and, mm-hmm. and we don't, <laughs> right, so, but on January 16th, which is my parents' anniversary, we had our own celebration, and right. it was a big deal, my dad right. made a big deal of it, and so did my mother, and, and we all exchanged gifts, and it was, you know, it was basically Christmas, right, you know, but it was the centering of the family, right, I think it's it cool. is one of the things I've appreciated of of my, my crazy time. I I, I
1: I would hereby motion that all Christians no longer celebrate Christmas in the manner that they do and and celebrate their their anniversaries.
2: We should have a whole podcast on this because I got uh, I got things to say about I think Christmas. I think we
0: will I think we will yeah. I yeah. also think that we went long on this segment <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, but I, hey look, just because statistics say you are going to divorce, it doesn't mean that you are. Just like there's statistics on auto wrecks and things of that nature. But if you drive better, the, the likelihood of you crashing your car is is much better. Don't drive like a jackass. Don't be a jackass of a husband slash wife and your marriage will be better. Right. Um, put in some work, man. The, the life isn't easy. Nothing we do is easy. And everything that we do is hard is usually worth it in the end
1: so except i would uh for the for the record being married to carrie has been the the easiest uh thing i've ever done in my life that's carrie with a c c-a-r-r-i-e she's pretty good to you <laughs> oh out there. oh i i i i i started to say i i outpunted my coverage but you wouldn't have understood the
0: analogy he said he, he's banging on the on the hamilton best of wives best of women right
1: <laughs> no but i mean you know it it is it is still work and you know, everybody's got to lean in. And if you're showing up to a thing saying like, you know, what's in it for me, then you're looking at it wrong. It's more of the JFK speech, right? You don't ask what marriage does for you. You ask what you can do for your marriage. And if you're, if you're approaching it that way, it's going to work out as long as you're both doing the same thing. But that's all about selection. And it's more about that than anything else, right? It's about um, picking, picking at least from the, with the right things, you know, that you're looking for.
0: And just like I, I tell my kids and told all my Marines before they leave the office or the house, don't suck, right? <laughs> just don't suck. But the, there is a broader topic here to consider about
2: uh, the, the obstacles to marriage. To to marriage lasting are greater than they've ever been, and the the obstacles to even starting a, a marriage that's set up for success are greater than they've ever been i mean that the world has transformed dramatically over the past hundred years and we don't we don't think of it that way because we're we're in it and it it most of the features of the modern world that, that create these obstacles they were they were here long before we got here but um we haven't really adapted to them as a as a civilization like it used to be you would Most people didn't travel, you know, 50 miles from where they were born. And so all of your options are right there within, you know, you know, a horse riding distance. Um, Everyone's probably pretty much going to have the same values you have the same worldview, the same, the, the same options for entertainment and recreation so that it's just not, it wasn't that hard to find the right one. If you married somebody, Within fifty miles of where you lived, odds are they were going to be pretty much like you culturally, um, morally. They'd have the same set of expectations. We just don't have that. Yeah, but that doesn't.
1: But you're you're presenting that as if that's a good thing, and I don't know that I would agree with that. In
0: in fact, I would. I would say marriage to in my marriage that it is, it is a, it worked out that we are from different cultures.
1: Yeah, I mean because.
0: because we were so different and in spite of being that different, had the same baseline values. It gave it gave perspective that we could lend one another. And then we both were better for it. I got to see things that I'd never seen before in family structure and and just safety and and religious values. And I, I don't know what she got out of me, but I, I think <laughs> I I think it's it's just the the diversity of of Southern California. And even, even in, in her own church, the difference between Salt Lake and San Diego is, is nine days. So I think that she got to add perspectives, which added to her wisdom and it made her and made us who we are I, and, and where we, and where we're going.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think this is Brian, I, I don't want to discredit what you're saying or dismiss what you're saying. Cause I hear, I get it. Right. And I, I, I do know what you're getting at. I think, the the perspective is you're viewing that from the lens of a person who's still single, right? Well, and, yeah, and, and, sure. and, you're, and and you're seeing that as the primary challenge. And I'm not saying that's not a challenge, but I also would would argue. Yeah,
2: that I, I, I don't deny that. I'm not I'm not saying a marriage is automatically doomed to fail if right. you come from that diversity of backgrounds, as you guys are, have you know, as you guys demonstrate, but. Yeah. But the fact is, I am I'm on the other side of a of a growing statistic of of people, you know, failing to find that that lifelong spouse or getting divorced if they do. And yeah, it's it's made me think a lot about why why that is. What 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 kind of obstacles did I, you know, did I go through that Mm -hmm. uh, in you know through most of human history up until five minutes ago those obstacles weren't there and so we didn't have these and it's not just you know uh, birth rates are declining all over the world i mean this is actually a like the the decline of marriage and the decline of marriage success along with the decline of you know a, a lot of the children who are being born it's out of wedlock which leads to you know the, all the all the social problems we've already discussed but birth rates themselves in general are down which is going to lead to population collapses. And, uh, you know, that it's not looking good for the next 20, 30 years of, of humanity. If we keep going in the direction we're going, it's good and, if you're
1: Bill Gates, right. It's what you want. Yeah,
2: well, if you're a, if you're an anti-human demon, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome <laughs> <to use. laughs>
0: with big moves <laughs>
2: Well,
1: yeah. Um, Yeah. And and I also think there's probably a big challenge, uh, from, from what I'm seeing just with, you know, my kid, uh, kids, but more, more my daughter and, and, and then guys that I know like you, Brian, that I think every year that you go without being married, I think it makes it that much harder as you go down the path, right. Because you become more, um, kind of locked in your ways. And like, I think that was one of the things like, you know, I was 20, when I got married.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah. And,
1: and so, you know, I, and Carrie and I talk about this. We grew up together. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of weird to say that out loud because we were adults, but we weren't, you know? Um, and I'm sure I'm saying this now as a 46 year old man. And I'm sure when I'm 66, I'll be like, I didn't know shit back then when I was my forties, you know, kind of thing, right. because perspective is so important to it. But we, we talk about this all the time that we grew up together and we, we learned so many things as a young married couple and some of that was how to raise kids right like a lot a lot of your a lot of your child raising when you're young it's all an experiment you're like i don't know what to do with this kid let me try this and see what happens and hopefully i didn't break him right and then like you do then you look back and you're like oh they're still alive sweet (laughs) you know (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of that that doesn't get talked about. You know, I think a lot of people think that there's like some kind of magical clarity that you get when you, when you're married and have kids and you just know what to do. And like, I never had a clue. In fact, there was But, one but another
2: issue. I'm
1: sorry, go ahead. I was going to say this one time and I won't get into what happened. It's really personal, but Alyssa had committed a, 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 a transgression and she and I were having this big heart to heart. We were sitting in her room and you know, it wasn't a fun conversation. She was in a lot of trouble. And I remember her being kind of snippy with me, which was cute because she was the one that had messed up, not me. And I said, hey, I'm going to let you in on a secret, but you got to promise not to tell anybody, okay? And she was like, okay. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. You can't tell anybody. And she's like, okay, dad, I won't. And I leaned over and I'm like, I've never raised a kid before. I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing. And she kind of laughed, right? She broke the, the tension in the moment. And I was like, Everything that I do, when I make a decision, or ground you, or whatever, like I'm just throwing dice. I'm just throwing dice down. I'm like, let's see what happens. Oh crap! You know, screwed up. Craps. You know, or you know, hard four, hard eight, whatever. Like it's it's all it's all guesswork. Um, And so that's that's all the more reason why you know I think to a certain degree getting into a, I'm actually strangely an advocate of getting married as young as possible versus waiting for the quote unquote perfect person because i think that's part of the problem i think dre you said paralysis by analysis earlier and i think that's a lot of what's happening is i think people are over analyzing and they're looking for perfect rather than realizing that perfect is just what's in front of you
2: and there's this culture that says to go out and sow your oats mm-hmm. um spend your 20s sleeping around and hooking up and yeah and just kind of going through people and uh um. yeah, I, you're not really yeah. set up for marriage that way If no, you know, for, no, for either sex. No, but,
1: no, not at all. Right. In fact, going back to I me, mean, I just made this comment. and This just kind of hit me in real time. I remember one of my pastors, and I don't remember which pastor it was, so I can't give him credit, but they were talking about the word perfect and that we use the word perfect to mean without fault. But biblically, whenever God talks about perfection, Um, he's talking about perfection related to his design,
0: which is different,
1: which is different from how we see perfection from a scientific view. Right. And so the point of that being is that, you know, Dre and Delaney's marriage was perfect for them. It wasn't a perfect marriage in a scientific, if you graded it out. Right. But it was what was right for them because they made it work and they've ended up with three good kids and all those kinds of things. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we we're looking for real perfection and what we need is perfection of the of the event um, when it comes to life because life is messy, right? Like the whole thing is one big messy ball of right. bad decisions and emotion.
0: And you know you kids out there, um, you you hear the horror stories of you know uh, you know, once you're married, it's over. Um, I promise you, as a young married person, I had way more sex than you. <laughs> just promise. I don't care how studly of a of a dude you are, picking up chicks and hoes at the bar, doing those things. Oh, that's funny. By having my best friend at home with me every day, um, and you're, and you're and not and wrong reling. though, and, and it's even better too because we get to explore and and you know experiment and you can laugh. Do, do the things and and laugh. And and even if like, Hey, that wasn't good. You suck. All right. I'll do better. In fact, give me, give me about eight seconds. We'll get, we'll get back in here. But you know, but also a lot of people that don't want to have kids, they, they cite like, Hey, you're, you're stuck at home with kids. I'm doing whatever it is that I want to do. Chelsea Handler all the time. She'll have Mm -hmm. on her Instagram. She's on the top of some big, beautiful mountain. Well, well, guess what I get to do? And I'm to cope. Chelsea Handler and I were born the same year. My kids are now grown. So I get to do all the things that she does, even Mm -hmm. though she has to do a little bit more because she's rich and I'm not. Okay. But I also had the feeling and the experience Mm -hmm. of the other stuff. I had had my son and my daughters and Mm -hmm. my grandchildren and my wife. And when I go to the top of the mountain, I'm not taking a picture alone. I'm taking a picture with her right I'm I'm doing all the things with somebody that I as Matt would put it grew up with I'm I'm telling you if if it's if it works if it sticks like it, it's way it's way better than than being single and, and by yourself why I've I've done both and yeah I, I, if, I've come out the other side
1: if it does not fit you must have quit
0: that's right so Chelsea I know you watch <laughs> and, uh, um yeah. I, 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 too get to do whatever I want just because I have responsibilities to, to things. And I, I believe that I should be there for others. Maybe I can do whatever I want all the time, but I'm going to be honest. I'd rather have a
2: wife and kids. I kind of, you know, I, I kind of screwed that up. So it's
1: not, it's not too late for you, Brian. We're going to, we it's got you, we late. got you, we got you, dog, which is yeah, why you got
0: to put your, put your socials. Don't worry. Just, Hey, Ladies, send me third, an email. Third, third helix That wasn't a. Uh, we gotta stop doing that. I was <laughs> send, just... send an email. I'm the one that reads the emails. I, I'll, I'll bet them it'll, it'll be it'll be fine, Yeah, it'll, <laughs> Okay, it'll be good. This this should this I th- I think we've probably done that enough. That's probably so, it'll take now.
1: Not, well, we've done it enough when when you're when you yeah.
0: saying your vows. You know you don't want it, or at least a date for the love of goodness, great Well, that's. That, that part's not the problem.
1: We're not suggesting Brian doesn't get dates, but we're suggesting that he hasn't found the forever person yet.
2: So, and uh, none none of, none of the girls I go out with have heard of our podcast. So that's <laughs>
1: well, part of the problem.
0: It, that uh, is part of the problem. You,
1: you, got, you got to swing that celebrity around.
0: Come on. It, also, we were just talking about values for crying out loud. <laughs> if you don't listen to the podcast. You clearly don't have the same values as, as Brian. So, yeah. so, can I, so can I ask, yeah. can I ask, do does Western culture see Jesus the same way he's supposed to be portrayed in the good book.
2: That's a good question. Dre.
0: Can you elaborate?
2: I, I was about to ask you
1: what, in, what in the world right. that means, what in the wide world of sports
0: does so, that mean? So a lot of people will say that Christianity uses God as a weapon by saying that he's this or that, usually on the, on the conservative side. And when really, uh, the jesus of of the gospels um you know i've heard that he was liberal perhaps he was even a hippie that he hung out with dogs and prostitutes and and did these things and i and i know that uh, my two esteemed colleagues have have thoughts on on this
2: also he was super nice and never raised his voice to anybody he never never argued never said anything hurtful or disagreeable never fashioned um, a whip Never, never did anything violent like
0: chasing people try, with a. Are you
1: saying Jesus was a cracker?
0: Whip crack away, whip crack away, whip crack away. That's from Oklahoma, and that's from for both of you. I have not seen that. Okay, I, yeah, but uh, so was Jesus a hippie? Was he a liberal? No,
1: no, he was not. I mean, so those are two different things. First of all. Right? Like you're, know. like, like you, you're, you're throwing all these different words. out. There's a
0: lot of overlap though. Right. Well, there's I mean, a lot of overlap. There,
1: there can be, but there doesn't have to be right.
0: Well, that's why we have like, you, Matthew.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would, I would not say he was a hippie. I think, I think where that conflation comes from is uh, there was a lot of communal um, dialogue, right. That, that Jesus uh, was, was known to have said, right. Of talking about giving up your belongings and, um, helping each other I, I think that's the that's it as far as i'm aware of 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 his writings it was that communal concept which was more about the time than it was about his his he, socio-economic belief system
2: and he typically said that in specific in in, the, in, in a specific in a context par- in a parable or he was trying to make a point with it well it, it wasn't a parable he the the rich young ruler came to him and said Rabbi what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said well what what's the law say how do you read it and he conspicuously mentioned all of the the kind of the horizontal stuff like how you treat your fellow man don't murder honor your parents don't steal etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh and uh Jesus said well we'll do this and you will live and the rich young man said well all these i have kept since i was a boy and so then he basically because he left out everything related to god and there's mm-hmm. um and he was a lot of times people came to jesus with with a the, a question that basically amounted to and this is kind of relevant to our marriage conversation because it was the same thing when they they asked him about is it right for a man to divorce his wife for any for any reason mm-hmm. um they tip A lot of times people came to Jesus with, with a question that amounted to, well, what's the, what's the least I got to do? They were trying to get a workaround
1: to the law, and they were like, well, there's this new guy <clears throat> in town that is is different, and let me see if I can get him to say a different – give me a different answer, right?
2: Well, part of it, but it was essentially – What's the least I got to do to keep the law, to keep God off my back, to mm-hmm. to placate God, so I can put these questions of righteousness and pleasing God behind me and pursue what I'm really interested in? Like if this was a the, the rich young ruler just wanted to enjoy his wealth, mm-hmm. and so when Jesus when Jesus answered them according to those terms, if, if being justified under the law, it was oh well easy absolute perfection is is the answer you're looking for. You have to be absolutely perfect and give up everything uh, give it to the poor and then come follow me. Or, uh, it's not right for any man to divorce his wife for any reason. Um, cause in the beginning, God made the male and female that so that the two would become one flesh and a man will leave his father and mother. And I kind of mixed up the order, but the point is absolute perfection is the standard. But anyway, to, to your point, it wasn't, the point was not in order to be righteous. Every person has to give up everything that they have and, uh, give it to the poor and, um and then be homeless and impoverished it was just in in that specific instance where he was trusting in his wealth as his uh his main value in life so i kind of got us off track a little bit
0: i don't think you did at all oh was
2: jesus a hippie that's that's so
0: but so why do you think there's a push to to say that that Jesus was these things that are kind of Western values today. Well, it's, it's a modern version, own your truth. It's,
1: it's a modern version of what Brian just said, right? It's, it's people. So if you back up, the religion has been used by people for societal control since the beginning of time. Right. It's also, it's probably one of the stronger uh, stances that, fuels atheists right they're like it's not real it's just this thing that people make up so that they can control other people but societal control is a real thing and you know going back to the to jesus's era and that's a lot of what he accused the the pharisees and the sadducees of right was was using their position of influence to their benefit which is what led to the whips and the table flippings and all that kind of stuff as a a more specific case in point right but and for those that, I mean, I guess we probably shouldn't just gloss over that in case somebody's listening and go, what are you talking about? Um, I don't remember the, the 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 verse. I'm sure Brian does. But there was an instance where it's Jesus. John, for sure. Okay. Jesus uh, happened upon a temple and the uh, temple was full of, I'm just going to say people. Some of them were priests and some weren't, but they'd essentially turned the, the well, temple. Well, there are,
2: they're are money changers.
1: Right. But they had turned the temple into a into a flea market for lack of a better term right there were people doing loans there were loan sharks they were you know they were selling things and 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 well there was was a lot of stuff going on that was under
2: you know being done in the temple and they had turned the court of the gentiles into a place to sell sacrifices like that was the main thing right like people would like you had to travel from pilgrims had to come from far away um you couldn't bring your livestock with you so people would 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 just bring money to buy a sacrifice. And so rather than set up shop outside of the temple, they would set up in the court of the Gentiles, which crowded out. If Gentiles wanted to come to worship, then they had to do it and made all this livestock and, and uh, um, manure and feed and, and with all this haggling over, over prices. And um, so that's what pissed them off. Um, how well, dare, how dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace?
1: Well, but, so, that's a that's a lot that I've never actually read in text, but I'll, I'm, it's not worth litigating. Um, but the the point of it all is, at, when Jesus saw it, he basically flipped and literally started flipping, and he produced a whip from somewhere. I don't know if it was one of the 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 livestock handlers or if he just rolled around like Indiana Jones and had his own whip on him all the time. But the he essentially ran them out of the temple.
0: Give me the idol, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so that's that's always a great kind of, uh, thing to keep in your back pocket when people talk about Jesus being this super chill, never, never got angry, never, um, uh, you know, never, never told people no or not to do this or that. And the really interesting thing with that as a, as a backdrop is to think about Jesus getting that upset and using a whip on people and then laying that up against the reality that Jesus was still perfect and never sinned. And that actually warms my heart.
2: Wait, so say that again.
1: The the fact that Jesus could be brought to anger, right? Right. And and was physically assaulting evildoers, and then you lay that up against the reality that he was a perfect human and never
2: sinned. Are you are you saying this undermines? The,
1: no, the... no, I'm saying it 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 bears deeper legitimacy when you think about it in those terms. To right. him, okay. to him flipping his shit on the people in the temple was 100 percent righteous for him to do so
0: right. I'm there's saying. some sort of uh belief out there that you have to be some kind of stoic Pas- a pacifist calm, passive right. that's that's the point that the i'm cheek, making right because that's right. also a parable that it, if if you don't do those things then you are you are you're you're missing the mark you're sinning that's, that's exactly the point that i was when trying Jesus to make is, himself talk about like hey it's time to pull the sword out. Let's go. Do right. That.
2: Sometimes when I'm in debate with other Christians, they and they and I like, if I I'll be I'm they'll tell me I'm not being Christ-like because mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm uh, I might call them out on right if they're being intellectually dishonest or you should if start you carrying know. you should you start carrying a bullwhip with you. Well, I I tell them and you should be up. like you
1: know what you're right.
2: I do that rhetorically. I tell them. Hugh John I, Williams. I tell them, you're right. You faithless, perverse generation. How long should I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? You yeah. brood of vipers. Yeah. Because he said that to his own disciples when they right. couldn't drive out a demon. And so he wasn't, uh, he was always kind, but he was rarely nice. Well, I, um, I, I, I,
1: you know, it's funny. Uh, it's It would be a long winded story to bring back up. So I don't know how to how to, how to regenerate the whole conversation. But I remember once a while back, Dre and I were having a conversation about prophets and I made it, I made a comment that, you know, an easy way to to determine if, if a modern day person is a prophet is just listen to them speak. And if they seem like a normal, well-adjusted human, they're probably not a prophet because most of the quotes by biblical prophets, they seem to be kind of in a different mental state, right? And it had, and it has, and I'm, I'm just, this is Matt talking, right? That it, it strikes me that they had so much going on in their heads. If they could actually hear the voice of God on a constant basis, that would put you in a really different kind of, mental state of being, as opposed to a regular person, just kind of interacting. And it would be really hard to just make casual jokes and, you know, kind of be a flip human being when you actually can hear God's voice telling you what's wrong with everybody around you. Right. Like, and I, I get that sense, like you said, that he wasn't necessarily a, you know, he, he, when I, when I see, when I read things that he did and said, he doesn't strike me as the guy that sat around the campfire telling jokes outside well, of his of his prophecy he, right like so there i was, was pretty, with God one day I don't and, know uh, I't sure me, about
2: that I I mean if, the Sermon on the Mount there's some funny stuff in there like uh when he when he rebukes people for uh when you give to the poor don't announce it with trumpets right like if you just pit, it's like we funny it. to you
1: now with it's your probably, sense of with your broken sense of humor thanks to the Marine Corps and in this life that you've lived you can find humor and I don't think it was funny to anybody he was saying it to.
2: I think it was. I mean, it was, I think it was meant to be funny when, uh, I, like, I, imagine somebody giving to the poor and then having an entourage of trumpet players. I bet they did. The public. I bet there were rich people that did that kind of no, stuff. No, that's that's hyperbole. I, Lots of what Jesus said was hyperbole done for. I, I, comic I mean, effect. people do it today. Look at look at the Rock and Oprah. Oh uh, well, yeah, but they didn't have literal trumpet players, but. Well, no, but that's what that was. You no, know, do you not worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? That was hyperbole. Well, but also, well, of course, rose... it was.
1: But it, but it wasn't.
2: <clears throat> I mean, he was
1: making. He was. I mean, obviously, he doesn't mean a literal log. But yeah, what he was... But what he meant was, when your backyard's dirtier than your neighbor's, how dare you criticize your neighbor? Well, yeah, we
2: we know what he we, we know what he meant, but that was a comical picture of a, somebody with a log in their eye and trying to fish out the speck in the other person's eye. I mean that was kind of funny at the time. One yeah. of the funniest. Pretty, episodes, pretty
0: fuzzy bear. He, Jesus was like log in your eye, Walker, Walker, Walker.
2: <laughs> but also when he when he rose from the dead and appeared to them, and this always bugs me when people preach sermons on this. When he when he shows up, the text says, he says, "Peace be upon you," and people will preach whole sermons on you know the the peace that Jesus came to give. Well, them. Really he, he was, was like, telling him, "Calm, calm your tits." Yeah, because they out. they were like, oh my no. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> a, cu- a customary Jewish greeting is shalom alekem, which is the same which, same thing Arabs say oh, when alaykum. they say yeah. salam yeah. yeah, it's 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 just peace be upon. He was he showed up and he's like, hey, what's up? Like he's all nonchalant about it and says shalom, yo. That's an, that's an interesting out.
1: take. I always assumed he was trying to calm them down because they were losing their they were losing their stuff overseas and you know. No,
2: I think he I think he was cracking wise when he he did was just that. like he was. He's just like, what's up, what's up homies? <laughs> and then they're freaking Ooh, out. And he's, and he's like, I said, shalom, y'all." And then. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I think it says more about you, Brian, that you're finding tons of humor in Jesus's uh, speeches.
2: I think, I think you'll think... see it when you.
1: No, I don't think I will. I, I, uh... I, I, In fact, in my, in my, so, you know, this is almost a uh, Talladega Nights kind of thing, but like, I kind of picture Jesus, if he was giving a sermon and then there's a Brian snickering, he'd be like,
2: Man, I don't think so. I mean, I so think as crowd, I was saying, I, I, think, <laughs> I think the I think crowd he was, he was would have King been chuckling that's when he is. said that. I think he was, I think he was, you know, cracking jokes to the crowd to kind of get him on board, and then he'd drop hammers like, get if you loose. look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery within your with with her in your heart, and
1: someone's like, hey, that's right, yeah. Shoot.
2: Well, that's oh, yeah. oh are you serious. <laughs> oh, that's oh. tough. Oh. The I other like, I just stuff saw her. was the comic relief to I break saw the her tension angles. from that, but. But, she, her, it um, wasn't my
1: fault. Her hair wasn't covered,
2: but that's that's kind of that goes to our overall discussion of is Jesus how we imagine him to be? Right. He was pretty. uh We think of him as all stoic and Prozac out, and he's he's just kind of. got
0: yeah, the long hair and the sandals.
1: Yeah, but like, come on, man. When <laughs> he was what? He was eight, and his parents lost him. Twelve. Twelve. They literally lost their kid, and then they find him like three days later and they're like where have you been he's like where do you think i've been woman i've been in my father's house taking care of business <laughs> that ain't a normal 12 year old well he didn't really say it like that it was it was more i'm pretty sure i just I, recited that verbatim
2: yeah but you're but you're you're assigning a modern connotation to it like the the well, word I don't, I don't
1: do a good like yiddish accent hey yeah, like
2: yeah because they were yiddish <laughs> but i mean a lot of stuff jesus said was pretty hilarious and he had he had a pretty biting wit that i think would have almost certainly got laughs at the time
1: i mean look i know for a fact that god has a sense of humor otherwise i would be dead by now already but like that notwithstanding i just i don't i don't know that i read much humor into the words of christ
2: well pray about it you'll God, could you show me the
1: humor in your words?
2: <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask ask, God to help you lighten up. No, I don't think I need help with that.
0: So I don't, but um, I don't think we got anywhere with this. I think that we still just see that well, dude the way so, we see him.
1: So what I was starting to say to answer your question directly was, I think, I think it's much very similar to what Brian was saying about Jesus and his day, right? Like people were coming to Jesus, trying to get him to give them back doors or circumvent Parts of the law, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? They're hoping he would give them an out, right? Like a, an easy button. And I think that's much what people are doing today is they're trying to mold things he said or did such that it can justify their behavior, even though despite the fact that they know it's wrong. Like, so back to the the log in your eye, right? Like, I mean, Metallica probably made it overly popular, but the whole judge not lest ye be judged yourself is probably one of the most widely used misquotes of Jesus, right? At least from my point of view, from what I've seen, like it gets used all the damn time. And, and every time it's used, the person is suggesting that we're not allowed to judge. And the, this absolutely not the interpretation, the correct interpretation of that, of that comment, right? Like the commentary was you should strive to be righteous so you can then hold your brothers accountable so that they can also strive for righteousness because you know, iron sharpens iron, all that kind of stuff. Like that's where that that's the point, right? The point isn't, oh, you're right, I can't judge because I got a pull in my eye, so I gotta turn and look away and not watch what you're doing, right? Like it's, no, I, I gotta pull this out of my own eye so I can help you, so we can help each other and we can all be better together. But well, that's that's specific, not how pop culture would have you believe that well, that to mean.
2: The irony of that is. To judge someone, in in the sense he's talking about is to exercise authority over them, like that's what that's what right you right know, when it talks about the right. book of judges, these were leaders who rose mm-hmm. up. Um, judging is to to exercise authority over someone. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean saying that what you're doing it calling evil good or good evil. But the irony is, when when they say that, what they what they mean is, if you're you're not a good Christian unless you're condoning sin. Right, right. But what the, what they're doing is deciding on their own authority that what God has condemned as sin is actually okay. They're, they're 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 basically putting themselves in the position of God and deciding that well, because I, I,
1: actually, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah. I what I think it is is they know they're wrong, but they believe Jesus said I'm not allowed to tell them they're wrong.
2: Well, that's actually
1: I, because why would they care about my judgment if what if what they were doing was okay in god's eyes
2: i i think i well sure i mean but i'm just i'm just taking the meaning of their words on on their at face value um and yeah you're 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 probably correct in psychologizing them although i do think that we have such a shallow understanding of what morality is that um like you know we, we you know a moral compass requires a, uh, you know, it requires an external reference point, like, just like a compass needs magnetic north for the needle to work. Mm -hmm. So a moral compass needs an external standard. Um, Most people just have a moral compass and don't think about where the needle points. Um, They think and they're not considering there's all kinds of other interference with it that throws the needle off. They just think that because they feel this, just their own, unexamined feelings that have been inculcated into them by by culture by the stories they've watched that have told them that that have modeled values for them that they have that they just kind of passively and uncritically accepted um i think they i think a lot of people really think that just because they feel it that makes it right and that's oh their, for sure
1: yeah and, absolutely
2: <laughs> but the irony is if you if they understood it correctly what they're but that's the definition of self-righteousness that your feelings are the measure of of rightness and you can go around imposing that on people by telling christians you're not allowed to call what the bible calls evil mm-hmm. evil because i say mm-hmm. you have heard that the bible says
1: like the that... like when when the, the the chick-fil-a guy the 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 reporter went at the, the ceo of chick-fil-a and was like well do you believe that gays should marry and he's like you know damn well what i'm gonna say to that and yet you you're 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 basically daring me to either you know acknowledge my 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 christian beliefs as being correct or you want me to to tell you it's okay to do whatever you want to do like
2: yeah and you're he's basically superimposing a different moral standard over the mm -hmm. bible and dare and uh demanding compliance with it and setting himself up as judge in the in the in the process yep but uh,
1: yeah but that's uh, but to answer your question directly that's what i think is is happening when with with you know modernity and when people take and talk about jesus they cherry pick the parts that they think give them justification for their own Decisions about what it is they want to do, irrespective of their actual beliefs of right and wrong, and that's why I think they do it. And, I, and I, just I, like, I, I truly don't think that they that they think that it makes it okay. I think they know they're wrong, and it's like you know when 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 people like to be wrong in groups, it, it seems to take away some of the you know the the guilt. It's like, well, he's doing it too. You know, you go to your parents and you're like, why did you cut class? Well, my friends cut class. Well, if everybody jumped off of Brit, yeah, I would. I, if they jumped off, I'm jumping off too. Like I
2: th- I think religion is like any other marketplace. Um, it it is it's shaped by consumer demand. Um if there's a demand for a Jesus who is just me writ large, um churches will provide that. Yeah, they do. And so they, and, the, they do. We yeah. see it all over so, the place. And so know. people shop around for churches that tell them what they already believe and mm-hmm. what they are what and that will conform to the values they already have. Which, you know, we talked a, a few weeks ago, we talked about how you know the one thing that all religions that all established religions have in common is that they acknowledge that uh that, the, te- the teachings of the religion are eternal and immutable, and you come to the religion to conform to it mm-hmm. because you are temporary and unenlightened, and right. you come to it to find wisdom and enlightenment. And in so doing, immortality by aligning yourself with what's permanent and eternal. Yeah, We have the complete opposite view of that today. We have the Aleister Crowley version of um, finding the true will except it, that that version is so commonplace now that it's trite. It's just. It,
0: it that- is my observation that um, in that same vein, that the United States armed forces have gone down the same path. It used to be when you joined the Marine Corps, you stripped off everything that was you and you were broken down to the basic level. And then you conformed to to the institution itself got to wear I, a uniform it, that's why you that's why it's called a uniform U- everyone U- yeah, wear, yeah. wearing the same thing um and and we have but i want to do this or i want to do that and i don't you know we, you know humanity says that you should be able to and then we we start going down the slippery slope of allowing all these different standards to to be in 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 a in, a, in an organization that's really supposed to win wars and, yeah and, and remember when are. i
2: was when i was pretty early in my my journalism career a colleague wrote this this article about this uh a, a gay woman in the in the military this was before uh um the don't ask the Tell was repealed right and and it was this this big uh hagiography of this 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 noble virtuous woman who just wanted to serve her country um and be able to express herself as an individual and uh and the, like the person who wrote it like there's never any attention given to the so i i read it afterwards and we were talking about it over drinks at one point and i'm just like uh like you know you have to everybody has to get the same haircut and wear a uniform when you join the military right and she just kind of looked at me blankly well, what do you what do you mean you're supposed to conform to them, like you don't go for individual self-expression. Um, but the the whole idea was just totally foreign to her, and just never really entered into the article. And but those are the kinds of things that shape our culture and the, our expectations. And and religion does the same thing. They they got to get butts and seats. They got to give them a give them a Jesus that appeals to them. And uh, I don't even think every preacher does this deliberately i think they do to some degree i i so i don't want
1: to i don't want to speak for all but i i i can't help but believe that there's a point at some day or in a sermon as they're writing their sermon notes out and they're like oh i better not say that i better just move on from this point right because it's not going to be well received by my or they know a certain person in the in the church family that's going through something that's related to this. And if they hit it too hard, it's going to upset their parents and their grandparents and their aunt and uncle who are all members and are, you know, maybe ones on the elder board. You know what I mean? Like, I can't yeah, believe I, that I, doesn't I, happen.
2: I, I, I There's almost certainly that temptation to like every, every time you're writing a sermon, I think there's always the understanding that everything you say can will can have an impact on how how large your congregation stays. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna and I and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying they're deliberately crafting their sermon to that, but they have to be aware of that. And that mm-hmm. temptation I'm sure influences what they do. But even even without that though, let's just let's just give everyone the benefit of the doubt, just for the sake of argument and assume nobody nobody has that temptation. Nobody is is thinking about that that doesn't factor into what they say. The fact of the matter is, is still that the the marketplace is going to reward those preachers who present the most yeah. popular, yeah. appealing version yeah. of God and Jesus, and and so uh, that's going to become the norm. the the, the market standard that's going to become what's normative. That's gonna that's going to be the the popular version of Christianity. Well, you, look which, these, you, look,
1: you look at these you look at these megachurches. And that's right. precisely what they are.
2: Yeah, it's, and everybody they're chock, loves, they're
1: chock full of the sermons you want to hear, not the sermons you don't want to hear.
2: Right, and everybody loves beating up on Joel Austin because he's such an egregious example of this. But I don't think I don't think your your garden variety conservative preacher is that much different. I don't, and again, I don't think they're, I don't think they're lying. I think they're being sincere, but they're you know they kind of fit the. They fit what the marketplace demands, and that's why they're there, and that's why they're popular, um, and that's why Jesus warned against uh, wide gates and broad paths. Yeah. And there's there's an episode in Luke chapter, I think, 9, maybe it's 14. Anyway, it says, large crowds were following Jesus, and so he turned and said to them, unless a man hates his father and mother, his brothers and sisters, his wife and children, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And he said pretty much the same thing in other occasions but it was more palatable it was uh if you love your father and mother more than me you're not worthy of me but here i think he i think he deliberately crafted that for maximum offense precisely because of that large crowd because he didn't want he wanted to he weed want, out as
1: many as he could of the right. of the hangers on versus the yeah.
2: the, the true he, believers he didn't want half-hearted enthusiasts. He wanted people who were fully devoted and committed, and willing to give up everything to follow him. Um, also, not funny, by the way. Um, yeah, but he uh, waka waka waka. If he was going and, and, for if he for... was going for laughs, though, he would have killed. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> but he was trying.
2: He was going for. Minimal popularity there. For, so. for
1: those listening at home, in case you didn't know what the word was, because I didn't, a, ha- a hagiography is a bio- biography of a saint. So Brian likes to throw in these words like we all just walk around reading ha- hagiographic uh, writings on a
2: regular <laughs> basis. Um, but yeah. Um, well, you, you you all learned a new word today. You're welcome. Glad to help. So i
0: here for you. And whatever jesus is a g so it's fine it's fine OG. oh yeah O G, angel of death the destroyer
1: that's a whole different conversation i'm not getting sure is into that that's one why right i brought now. it up so, <laughs> so speaking of a whole different
0: conversation we've had that conversation we have, we have a have. we have a couple of minutes left or or we really don't but uh tell us brian why does matthew 28 what's that got to do with anything
2: oh yeah okay well you asked uh we were talking about doing divine council worldview related passages. And that kind of seems like one that it's uh, easy to it's that's one of those passages that kind of explodes with meaning when you read it in light of the divine council worldview, it reads uh, it's after Jesus rose from the dead, before he ascended, he had his disciples meet him in Galilee. It says the 11 disciples were there, but this is probably the, the episode that, paul mentions in the creed in first corinthians 15 where he says he appeared to the 500 because that's where most of his ministry was and where most of his followers would have been and after he rose from the dead he kept telling them go ahead go ahead of me into galilee there you will the angels told him go ahead of him into galilee there you will see him they didn't believe it so jesus himself appeared and asked them, why didn't you go to galilee um so they went to galilee because So he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Before I understood the divine counsel worldview, I always kind of wonder, like, well, why would that, like... Are you, focusing, big...
1: are you focusing on the all authority in heaven on Earth is, is that the part you're focusing on
2: yes okay um since you know God is already God why would this be a big deal but as we as we understand from Psalm 82 from uh Genesis 11 from uh Deuteronomy 32 7 through 9 um when, when they gathered at Babel to build the ziggurat to to try to reinstate the arrangement of, of Genesis 6 for Mount Hermon, God uh, God disinherited the nations. He gave them over to the rule of the, the lesser gods whose favor they sought, those being the gods of the divine council who turned corrupt as we read in Psalm 82. Um, and we see a, a divine council setting in Daniel 7 of which Matthew 28 is the fulfillment where right? it gives the Daniel's vision of the four beasts those being uh representative of the four empires of Babylon Medo-Persia Greece and then Rome um and then the uh the fourth beast was slain and destroyed while the others were allowed to live. And then he says, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one, like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshiped him and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is one that will never pass away. Um, That Jesus was essentially declaring that fulfilled. And in that vision in Daniel seven, this was a huge, it it talks about how throne thrones were seated and books were opened. This is a this is the divine council seated for 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 judgment. So, the Son of Man was led into the presence of God and given this authority over the nations in the presence of the divine council after the four, which after the fourth beast was destroyed and the others were get, were robbed of their authority were not robbed of it but they were stripped of their authority but essentially um you know matthew 28 just doesn't make the same amount of sense without that understanding of what daniel 7 is is what's going on there which only makes sense according to the divine council worldview but the uh and you see a lot of the, the, the idea here completed when Paul talks about this in first Corinthians 15, in the context of the resurrection about how he's, he must rule until all of his enemies have been put under his feet. Those enemies being the, the spiritual forces of darkness and the heavenly realms who seat, sit on the divine council. So um, anyway, I could go on and on and on about that. And,
1: uh, but it's. No, uh, I think that's a good point. And, and, you know, let me, let me restate a couple of things. Cause I don't, just to make sure it covered when you, when you kind of casually said, you know, the divine council, Genesis 11, et cetera, you know, just to make sure people understand Genesis 11 is talking about the tower of Babel. Right. And, and I think, I don't know that we've talked about that a handful of times here or not, but it's important. That's a key part of this, right? So you've got to, you have to have the Genesis six, you have to have the, you know, the sons of God and the daughters of men and the Nephilim. But then you get, in, and you have to have Psalms 82 and where the divine counsel's is introduced, uh, which is funny because it's later in the Bible, but it's, you know, the timeline's a little uh, disconnected. It's almost like
2: the writers assume that this, like the general story is already known. Right. Right. And you're getting kind of. Correct. Like- yeah so highlights of it
1: so when you when you look at genesis 11 what's happening is everyone knows the tower of babel story but just to be clear what happens at the end of the tower of babel story is what's important right so uh, i'm looking at right now it's the king james version that i have up Um, i'm looking for the verse i
2: don't know where it is
1: Oh, that's not a good version. King James Version doesn't explain it well, but it's uh, and I'm not gonna slow us down to to dig through and find this. But it's 11, uh, or wait, maybe it's not 11 when that's discussed. Does it come back? You mean to just read
2: the passage that might well? I'm,
1: I'm looking at it, but I, I, it's not the part, it's not the verse that I'm looking for because I'm looking for the language of the any, any. Uh, the people were scattered to the number of the sons of God. I'm that's looking...
2: Deuteronomy 32. Thank you. Okay. Seven. That's,
1: that's what I was missing. So that's that's the verse that I was looking for. That's important. So the Tower of Babel is talked about in eleven, but then in Deuteronomy the story is retold. And what happens is uh, it's what I just said. It says that uh, when God scattered the uh, the nations, he scattered them to, as to as many as the number of the sons of God. And what that's implying in from a divine council worldview is really clear is that he's, he's distributing the, uh, the nations to the watchers or to the angels, right. For, to, for, for, for governance and leadership. Um, and then that is specifically what Christ was referencing in Matthew 28 that Brian just read, right. So after the, the dispersion, then, then Psalms 82 occurs where, where Yahweh, God the God, uh, the Creator, is is basically chastising his people, his, the the members of the council, and he's and he's chastising them for poor leadership and judging unfairly and a whole lot of other things. And then, as that continues through, that's what Jesus was making reference to: is that he was being he was reclaiming all ownership of all of humanity. Uh, through his, through his ex- appearance existence and what was to come with his, uh, with his, well, actually it was just, it just and, happened. And, with and the, by uh, with the way, the resurrection. N-
2: next week, I'll, if, if we're going to do another passage on the divine council worldview acts, I'm going to, I'll, I'll do acts two. Cause that parallels uh, Genesis 11 and I'll kind of explain all that. That works. With, so yeah, unless you, unless you wanted to, I mean, we can, we can,
1: we could, if you want to tease it or we can talk about it then but one thing i wanted to throw out was uh i was watching a an old clip of of dr heiser just earlier today and uh he somebody asked him about televangelists it was about money and what was his view of how christians should spend that. money and uh and he basically and this had to be just before he passed he looks really he looks like he's, he's pretty ill. Um, he's in his bed, but he says, uh, look, he goes, I'm not telling you, you know, Christians shouldn't make money, but you know, they should be earning money with the eye, with an eye towards spending it to the benefit of the kingdom. He goes, as far as televangelists, he goes, I think they should all just be locked in prison for life. Is <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a pretty good little, uh, little quip, but, uh, <laughs> It just, I just, it triggered in my head. I just watched it today. And then as we kind of talked just now, we kind of talked about, we touched on televangelism. So I thought that was apropos.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, I have opinions on that.
0: Of, Of course you do. I mean, why wouldn't you? So, um, I think with that, um, we'll just go ahead and wrap up. We've gone a while here and I think we got through our topics. Um, maybe we got to the point maybe we didn't we'll 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 see we'll let we'll let you decide go ahead and and drop a comment let us know if um if if maybe the flow and the format of of what we've been doing over the past few episodes if if that works for you um what i will say is that we are now more available than ever before so we are now as in addition to spotify we are on amazon music we're on iheart radio we are on samsung podcasts we're on uh pod chaser so just about all the places that you can find a podcast we're we're there so uh so look us up and if if you prefer to listen to a podcast on a different channel than than say spotify which which we've been on um go ahead and, and do that now because we're available um and also on youtube so if you want to see the video we'll be on youtube and uh and you can reach us at mounthermeneutics at gmail.com mounthermeneutics at gmail.com and don't forget to uh, send a picture and a bio and let me know if you think Brian's really smart no, and, and you want that. to go out with Yeah. Don't listen to Brian. I'm the Specif- one
1: doing this. Specifically for for you in the Tulsa area.
0: <laughs> yes,
2: specifically. Not, so. Now I'm going to get uh, now the terrorists now.
1: Now the terrorists now where to find me. Well, the terrorists um, have to know if the, if, if the cute redheads are going to know. That's,
2: I mean, you got
1: okay. you to you give and take.
2: I think, I think this bit has, uh,
0: it doesn't matter what you think. It's, it's not a bit. It's, right. So, <laughs> and, uh, girls, of isn't he
1: cute? It. Doesn't he look a little embarrassed?
2: And Come on. am flushing it off.
0: We'll <laughs>
2: I hate you guys.